Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 142 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. No loan this week, but we got two excellent guests. Would you guys kindly introduce yourselves? My name is Tarmac. I do a bunch of YouTube stuff, and I've been harassing these boys liberally over the last little while to try and, you know, figure out what we're going to talk about. This is, this is exciting. Good stuff. Absolutely. You know, you should, you should constantly harass these guys. They absolutely deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my name is uh, David Martinez. You can just call me DMART, and uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Raw Fury. Uh, it's an indie publishing label. So, yeah. Awesome. And uh, I've, I've worked in the industry for like eight or nine years or whatever. That's a lot of history. We're going to be going through some of that later. Um, But yeah, all the links to these guys' stuff will be in the description down below, along with the Patreon. If you're a dollar supporter, you get early access to this show. And uh, it's also much easier for mobile because people always go like, hey, Maddie, where's the iTunes episode? Where's the Google Play episode? Oh, I uploaded it like a fucking week ago, but they still haven't posted it. So that shit happens all the time. Uh, The dollar (laughs) Patreon donations, they they make the biggest difference for that type of stuff. Uh, But yeah. That's out of the way now, and let's move on to what is going to be, I'd say, the the bulk of our discussion, uh, which is an indie chat. Um, it's a it's an indie all star week. There's a lot of big hits. I've noticed a lot of people talking about Celeste, uh, mm, which yeah. apparently is very good. Um, Tim Getty's a kind of funny. I know he posted something about it, saying like, you know, there's no way any game's going to be better than this this year. <laughs> um, so, what do you guys think about some of the indies dropping this week? Go I mean, like, I, I feel like. I feel like uh, Indies in January is kind of like the the new uh, AAA in October. You know, it's like when October comes, it's like everyone's just like, bam, 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 millions of marketing dollars being thrown all over your television set, right, and annoying the hell out of you before you watch your YouTube videos. And uh, and that's kind of, I, I think now January is that for Indies. So so it's not that much of a surprise to see. It's like everyone wanted to drop their, their game in uh in the fall but now it's like oh you got like battlefront 2 which is you know yeah. whatever we're not i'm sure we'll talk about that uh you know? and, and all these other games coming i was like oh let's just push them back a little bit and now january here we are and it's like a million really cool indies just dropped at once like yeah. celeste you mentioned celeste uh i haven't played it personally yet i've watched probably like three or four videos on it it looks stellar it looks like that really like awesome tight platforming experience you want with a couple like little twists in it right uh what made by the guys that did towerfall i think that's uh you know kind of kind of a popular game i hear uh you know what else did you have you had iconoclast come out uh it's like another uh metroidvania um uh that just dropped recently i think we we had a couple of those uh last year as well hollow knight was one of those last year that was pretty cool um um, but yeah, you have uh, um, on the Switch alone, you have a lot of games that are finally coming to it uh, that were really uh, popular indies like Darkest Dungeon, you know. Thimbleweed. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, good game. Thimbleweed Park, man, dude. Oxen Ru- free. 
I have a I have a signed copy of a Maniac Mansion box signed by Ron oh, Gilbert. I'm, oh, yeah. that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, I'm like it's like my like my nerd like gift. Like, I met him one time. Uh, I, I uh, did a little bit of PR for Sega, and he was um, getting a game published by them, so I had to work with him for a tiny bit. And the first time I met him, I was like, "I'm gonna do like a fanboy thing, Mr. Gilbert. I need you to sign this," you know. <laughs> And he did it. It was really cool. So I still I have it hanging around. That here. reminds me of when I met Lauren Lanning from uh, Oddworld, I, and and mm. I'd grown up on his games. I, I right. love Oddworld games to death, and my dad and I always played them together. And my exact words to him at E3 after having this long talk, serious business about all his games, I'm like, "Hey man, can I get a picture? I want to show my dad." <laughs> That's what I said to him. It's <laughs> complete 180 on on what we've been talking about this whole time. That's totally that's totally cool. I mean, we're allowed to fanboy, right? Even even though we're yeah, entrenched in this. Yeah. You seem you seem cool. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I I got to meet Ron Gilbert at PAX. Um there oh. was he he I, he struck me as quite a humble guy. Like I I was talking to cuz we we played, you know, the Monkey Island series and all of that kind of stuff way back. Um and you know, he it, it was almost like he he didn't like being told that his stuff was great. It's like mm. no stuff. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> So yeah, it was good. That me, yeah, because when I was talking to Lauren, he was the same way. I I told him how much I loved Munch's Odyssey. He's like, yeah, we didn't do a great job on that. I didn't like that one much. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm I'm living in my own little bubble where right. I'm like, this game's awesome. You know, it, it's got so many cool <laughs> things for it. And he's like, yeah, wasn't feeling that one. We tried too much. I was like, okay. <laughs> it, it's funny. It's funny how that is sometimes. Like the the one thing that you really gravitate toward from an artist or whatever ends up being the thing that they don't like the most like yeah. uh to, to take it to music really fast like i, I grew up liking nine inch nails and um and one of my favorite songs is the perfect drug which i guess is one of trent Reznor's most hated songs that he oh, put it's out song it's my favorite one too I yeah but he that. doesn't like it at all gotcha. <laughs> which is funny wow. imagine doing that like all right like as a youtuber you you make what you and for some reason you post it what you think is an atrocious video and you hate it and that goes viral <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, all, all of a sudden you become the next Slither.io YouTuber sensation. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> I think um, it's just you, you see all the mistakes that you know you made and nobody else sees right. them because they didn't, you know, they weren't there mm. doing all the video cuts and this, that and the other. And so every time it bugs you, especially when a ton of people are seeing it. True. Um, Tarmac, or when it comes to these indies in January and February, are, are, is there anything that captures your attention? Like that you're... Um, so... Uh, what was the game? They had a release date somewhat recently. I have to, I have to harass them again. Um, it's Devolver uh, Crossing Souls. Looks oh, very okay. interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have it yet. I'm, I'm going to be trying to see if I can get a hold of that one. But I've been watching it for a while. Uh, Celeste looks good. I mean, it, it, it. I'm just no good at the platformers, and it looks cruel. Same. Like, you know, I was watching a couple of of video clips and things like that of it. And it, you know. I, I, in my in my head, I'm comparing it to those stupid, uh, you know, Super Mario Maker levels and and shenanigans oh. like that. It just looks <laughs> cruel, but awesome. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, the same way. I've been playing uh, Samus Returns on my 3DS, and I'm like, man, I just mm. suck at these types of platformers. I'm, I'm, I lack precision. I die a lot. It's like it's the biggest <laughs> hole in my gaming. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it, it's interesting to me. I'm gonna put my sunglasses on. So anybody watching, it's not because I'm high. Because I've been sitting in front of these lights for fucking 14 hours. Also, thanks to the patron for the sunglasses. Um, when it comes down to it, uh, w- like indies and stuff, 
you have Thimbleweed Park, Oxenfree, which I'll mention a second time, even though Maddie gives me shit every time I mention it because <laughs> I love that fucking game so much. Um, Life is Strange. We just got done with you know with that new new set of prequels. But yeah. it is interesting. David mentioned that like January, February is sort of the fall because it magically happened without. Like, we used to all sit there, and this happens still in summer, but you know how it is. We're always like, oh, there's no games this month, like he said. And then all of a sudden, it's like, they're, they're not the AAA, but there's so many, you know, we call them AA, whatever, budget. What, it, not even budget, but those those sort of titles that don't get the huge publisher support. But you, you find all this incredible stuff that's out there. And I'm also, I don't think I'll be playing that Celeste game, because I did see it too, and it looked like it was just flicking your nuts for 20 minutes like there's no way i would play that game but um flicking not even full-on kick oh no just you know have you ever done that where you accidentally like tap it and you're all oh my stomach just yeah yeah, 20 minutes just 20 minutes ago and just a little bit i could tell you a story about one time dropping sandwich crumbs on my crotch with my levi's and i went to flick it off and i basically that's where that's where i got that joke because it was real. <laughs> That's, um, that must have been the hardest flick of your life. That stuck with you, man. Dude, you, you, I you went know like, the pre, oh, the pre to this and everything. Cadiz, Cadiz was with me, the guy who's on the channel. And I mean, I was, I had torsion on that finger. And I was like, and my brain was all, you're fine. And I didn't realize I wasn't like this. I was straight down. And I just went, Flicking and it's, you know how it is. You guys know how it is, where your stomach's immediately like, we're fucked. So anyway, um, all conversations go wrong with me. What I was saying about <laughs> Indies is, it, it's awesome because what it does is it gives those guys a chance to shine, and it also gives the games that maybe aren't perfect a little bit more of leeway, which I think is good because not every title has the fucking resources like GTA, or not GTA, but Rockstar to say, hey, Red Dead's going to be delayed, mm-hmm. right? Some mm-hmm. of them don't have that money, and so it's so cool to see a little indie say, you know, January, February, we're going to release some stuff, it, you know, it, and it just sort of gets that fan interaction, which... I love. No, love. You are 100, man, because like for us, right? We have a game coming out on Tuesday. Actually, it's like a, a Metroidvania called Dandara, and uh, and I promise that's the only time I'm going to plug it. But um, we, it was supposed to be like a fall release, and we were like, ah, uh, you know what? Let's let's just push it back a little bit. And and right now seems to be the perfect time. It's like Tuesday. It's like February 6th. It's like there's not there's not that much going on. It's like yeah, you do have the Shadow of the Colossus remake, but I mean the people are gonna buy that and the people are gonna buy an indie game are like two different audiences, right? So yeah, we're like lo- we're looking at like cool. This this worked out. You know, it's good. It was a good decision to make. Yeah. What yeah. about the the summer? I I always th- is, uh, associate indies with the summer. It's interesting. You guys mm. are bringing up January, February. I think like Pyre. I know this isn't an indie, but like a double A game. We were talking about that a little bit. Hellblade. Uh, those are some Ori, of my favorite games. Maddie, did Ori come out? Ori in the Blind Forest or Ori, whatever. Did that come out in summer too? I thought it did. Oof. Maybe it was just right at the end. I, I'm not sure. I thought I thought that for some that. reason I'm thinking October on that one. I don't oh, okay. know why, okay. but that's just my memory. Uh, but yeah, I, that's I usually think summer's an indie. Is is that still a thing? I mean, Rocket League that was in the summer too. I think I think that still is a thing, and it might have even have been pioneered from like like. The early like or the, sorry the late uh, 2000s. So you used to have Xbox on the 360 radio, Xbox Live Arcade. They had like a summer of arcade. That's when they released Braid. That's when they released Limbo. That's when they released. Um, oh god, I'm like missing like a, a zillion indies now. Uh, but anyways, like that was like their thing. It was like five indies over like you know four months or something like that are going to be released. And they did it for years, and I think that's still kind of like a like a holdover. It's like uh, here play play these small bites over the summer while you're traveling or in between traveling, right? 
in, prepar- in preparation for all the cool AAA stuff that's going to come out, you know, starting like, yeah. late September. A lot yeah. of it just it it seems to have more to do with Christmas, I think, than than anything. And we because mm-hmm. we haven't seen this kind of growth in the game industry for this is new, right? So January, February traditionally is uh, bill shock for people's credit cards, right? They have yeah, spent right. too much money over Christmas. <laughs> they're not going to buy any games. So none of the AAAs want to release them. Well, now we have so many indies coming out, so many games coming out every year. The summer, if it, you know, if that traditionally is when they were all locked in and, and normally coming out, well, the only time you can go now is you've got to pick like a January, February release because that's True. when the window is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and they don't need those enormous sales. They don't. They don't need to sell nine million copies or whatever it is that Battlefront was. <laughs> EA was liars. disappointed in. Nine, nine million, million wasn't enough. Capcom and them need to get million. together. Dude, their financial <laughs> people are million. English majors. They're the and dumbest Square. people I've don't ever forget seen. Square. Uh, Squares. Yeah, let's sell Hitman because it did really well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, we were talking about the slowdown of of AAA games around this time, but it's, I feel like also we, we've seen over the past couple of years, like last year, Resident Evil 7, great game. That came out in January. Yeah. Now we're seeing mm-hmm. DB Fighters and Monster Hunter in the same day at the end of January, and I have yep. been playing personally both of them. And Monster Hunter was has been the one that surprised me. I was all about DB Fighters. That was one of my most hyped games. And all of a sudden, Monster Hunter comes in and is like, yeah, you're going to enter this vortex and time will disappear. And that's what's been happening to me. Every night, I, I'll start and then I'll look at the clock and go, holy shit, it's 2 a.m. Okay, I need to stop. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting how you mentioned Tarmac, how, you know, the industry is growing. We're seeing even big AAA launches like this so early in the year now. Just wait until... Uh... Uh, we hear about all the delays now that Red Dead has a firm release date, uh, right? In October, so like, yeah, every no one's going to release the game in October. Everyone's going to push their AAA to January. Nobody wants to compete Did with that. Did you see the JPEGs, David? Where like it said other developers seen the release date, and they're like people are crying, and it's different people from like football teams that have lost the Super Bowl, and they're just they're bawling. And I'm like, that you don't. That's not a joke. I can tell you right now, at least one person I know works at one of those companies was like, oh. Fuck! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no one's happy. But it was funny. I, I put out some snarky tweet. It was like, unless you are a PR or marketing person working at Rockstar in October, just take the whole week off. Just take, <laughs> yeah. just take that whole launch week off. You're not going to do anything. Play <laughs> their game. Play their game, David. Exactly. Just buy, yeah. you know? <laughs> I'm just going to give in. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone yeah. Anybody else can, is doing it. <laughs> anybody can dedicate the four hours to the campaign it's going to have. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I hope because we we've seen what happens with um, with games that try to launch uh, alongside a really big title. I, I, the one that always sticks with me is is Fallout Four and Tomb Raider on the same day, and I'm mm. like Square, what are you doing? And like and, and like as the release date came closer and closer, we're like, please stop, don't do this, just don't. And, and all of a sudden, Rise of the Tomb Raider is a, a colossal flop because it got, it got launched on the same day as the biggest game of that year. It's insane. I right? think. I think part of it also might be it was a, it was an Xbox exclusive, right? Tomb Raider. That too. So uh, I, 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 hopefully it picked up a little bit when it launched like a few months later on PC. I know I bought it like day one PC because I I like that reboot of the, of the franchise. So do I. I, maybe Titan maybe Ball I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention, Darmac. Titanfall too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, yeah. that was up, a bad setup. That was a bad setup. Yeah. Let yeah. me just say PC this. Exactly, and Maddie and I were talking about this prior. I've never seen a PR person get shafted or get like destroyed by their own developer on the stage. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was an interview where the guy who runs Titanfall, I can't remember his name, due to split off, 
um, Vince? What is it Vince? But Vince he was sitting there, and the EA spokesman was like, we've decided because of the release dates to move these together, blah, blah, blah. And he just looks over at him and is like, and this is, remember, he works for him. And he's all, whatever the fuck that means. Like, you can tell those developers were not happy. They were legitimately not happy about Titanfall's release date. Oh, and yeah. I, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> you saw some feedback right there. Like, real-life relationship advice going on. <laughs> I, was, I was legit shocked that they, uh, they announced the Titanfall 3. I was like, really? After 2? I mean, like, and that sucks because I, I hear 2 surpassed 1 in every single way. Like, I, I hear, like, so many great things. I never touched yeah. it. I, I played 1. Was like completely like turned off by it, didn't bother mm-hmm. with you. But the, the the few people I know that have tried to were like, this is fantastic, mm. like it's really good. So uh, so I'm glad that to see they're gonna get a, a third shot at it. So hopefully the first two first two lessons have been learned. But uh, we'll see. They'll probably stuff some microtransactions in there. Yeah, I was gonna it. say like it's gotta be something because <laughs> they they went exclusive and, and and that's when the Xbox One was really in the shitter, didn't succeed. Then then you got obviously the the release date issue with that, uh, Titanfall two. And then it's like, what are they going to do with three this time? But with that said, I mean, we uh, we know that Anthem got delayed in turn because of a of a, a Battlefield game launching. So they they have learned their lesson to at least some extent about releasing games on top of one another. Because Anthem was slated for this fall, they delayed it because they say it's a do or die game for Bioware, and in its place is now going to be Battlefield 2018. Where whatever this is going to be set during, I, I don't have any mm. ideas on a new Battlefield game personally. Maybe World War Two because of Call of Duty. I don't know. What if, what if it's not like a traditional Battlefield game? What if it's like another like uh, like a Bad Company or something or a Hardline? I love Bad Company Three because oh. they have because they haven't said who's uh, which studio is working on it yet, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, they haven't announced anything about it. It's just kind of one of those. Uh, I think it was like a, another earnings call where mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh yeah, there's new Battlefield coming in 2018." Everyone's like, "What?" And then there's no details. Yeah, <laughs> that's the strangest thing about these earnings calls. Like, how do how does that work? Does anyone here know how that side of the industry works with the the earning calls and how people listen in on them and stuff? Yeah, Farm so, covers it a lot too. Yeah, I mean you, you can so all of the big companies, Activision, uh, Ubisoft, EA, and all that, they'll all have information on their on their website. You just look for like the investor link, mm. uh, and calling into uh, I, I I don't know that they're all public necessarily. Like you can just anybody can call in and and listen in. Um, whether there's, you know, if you have to actually own stock to get that number, I, that I'm not 100% sure of. Okay. But I mean, the, the, the earnings call is basically them trying to hide as much information as possible um, and, and keep everybody happy, right? So they're, they're only going to talk about the good things. They're going to try and, and gloss over all the bad stuff. And then you get to the questions, and that's where it gets really interesting because yeah. you have somebody that owns, you know, a million, two million dollars of stock in EA that gets to ask a question and say, so... Why'd you fail at this? And you get to watch them snake around it. It's just, it's brilliant. Wow, watch that sounds so entertaining. <laughs> I wish these were live events, man. I'd, I'll buy some stock just to, just to hear that shit. <laughs> uh, uh, David, did you say you had, you had uh, no, I think sat Carmen, in on some? Or? No, 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 I haven't, no. Uh, I have reporter friends that have, uh, for sure. But uh, no, I think Tarmac, he, he put it down pretty well. Yeah, that's it. It's like uh, if uh, I don't, I don't even think you have to be a stock owner. You could be media as well. They let them in on it, um, and it, yeah, it's just, it's just like one gigantic party line where you mm-hmm. just see a bunch of executives just you know suck each other off, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and then try to please their their stockholders because that's that's 
that's what they have to do. Raw yeah. fury, everybody. Raw fury. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're what we public. needed? Oh, you know what company. we needed? We needed Devolver Digital and Raw Fury on the same podcast. Oh, so we could have made that happen. We could have made that happen. After that, after that but, Devolver E3 thing. Oh, it was brilliant, man. Man, that was so good. So good. Yeah, no, dude. Well, if you ever do another one of these, like with indies or whatever, like l- oh, let us know because we all know each other. Yeah. We all know each other. It's like, you know, yeah, no, it's good. Well, we're all we're all in the same boat, you know. We're all the scrappy little dudes trying to compete against gigantic <laughs> companies with millions of dollars. Like, I'm just like, I'd be happy if a game made a million dollars. Like, you know, <laughs> that's, that's that's where we're at. It's like woohoo, you know. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, make one of those up. A panel of indies, and uh, and we'll we'll come we'll come. Speaking of gigantic, we got to talk about that. Carrick dropped the news on me like right, right before we stopped. Curved my mood a little bit. Gigantic isn't being supported. Like, what's going on with that? It's not being yeah, supported. So, shutting down uh, in July. I do shutting believe. down in July, and I covered that my first GDC, so, so 2015, I think. Um, and I'm telling you. It's if you followed them, I don't know how long you followed them, Maddie, but it's one of the it's it's that moment when like your best friend is just, you know, slowly dying because that oh is gosh. exactly I'm not lying. This is the way it felt. I showed up and they're like on the wall. They had this banner and it said, here are all of our heroes and gigantic. And they were some of the coolest looking designs I think I've ever seen for a game. And I legitimately mean that like I would have no problem saying that they were they were fucking phenomenal. And every six months gigantic just kept doing like you kept hearing about cuts it was it was horrid because i went there and they were like this is going to be the greatest thing ever and we're playing games and having a blast and i go home and i'm like this is going to be great and each six months it was like a couple heroes were cut this was cut this was cut and that's why i was so confused because when you liked it i was like really because i didn't even really know it was out and that was another thing is it was let remember that release they got fucked over that was the release where Microsoft, where it went out on the Windows Store and Microsoft didn't do any PR for it at all. It just showed up. And so it was just like, Merry Christmas. And you're all, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I started playing it in December of 2016. I don't even remember how I discovered it, actually. I, I think I just saw it and downloaded it and it was free. I was like, screw it. Um, but I, I enjoyed the hell out of that game. And funny enough, with this time news, I remember I was telling you, Carrick, I was like, I wanted to. I dusted off the Xbox One finally, and I fired it up just to play Gigantic. I waited five minutes for a match, and I couldn't get anything. And I wasn't finding anyone the day after, and I was like, "Oh boy, this isn't good." And I can only tell you one thing: that the game's basically dying. And and, and so, when you told me the news, I wasn't surprised at it. It was more so the reality shock. It was, yeah. it was like, "Fuck, it happened." You know, you were hoping like maybe they get a PS4 launch, inject some life into it, maybe. Have it catch them, uh, catch a little bit of fire, but you know what it, disturbs it me did. too. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but what scares me is they're gone for good. Mm-hmm. So, like mm. the the thing is, is there isn't a there isn't some fucking library where you can go and check out an old game that was online. When yeah. this goes away, it will go away unless you get an emulator. Earth and Beyond, for example, was an MMO from EA from years ago, and they you know somebody found a way to do the emulation of the server and stuff. That's not that often. Usually it's just they're gone. And there's something really scary and really horrible about the idea that there is a chance that that would just be snipped out. And 
you, you you literally will never be able to experience it's it. It's like PC. Like it's just gone. The the demo yeah. when when they just completely snuffed that out. Um, yeah. When I, although these weren't that fucking good a game, so I don't care. But like when Activision lost their, I think their deal with uh, Nickelodeon or, or Spider Man or something like that, like all their their superhero games just disappeared, and you just couldn't download them anymore. Um, yeah. So stuff like that. It's, it, that's why I have never been. 110 percent into the digital age obviously it comes with a lot more benefits but as someone who grew up with the physical stuff like all of us here it's, it's like that's always been so much more appealing for those exact things this just came in the mail today right here it's like my memories live on <laughs> you know just yeah right PS2 game. uh stuff like that man it's, it's why i have a tough time coming to, to grips with the uh the digital stuff but i gotta ask david you know as someone who, who's helped launch games before Mm-hmm. How, how tense is that atmosphere? Or do you- oh man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's. Uh, uh, I, I've been actually saying this for like the past week because I've been like crazy busy on um, preparing for our own launch, right? And uh, it, it's it is this amazing mixture of of pure enthusiasm and excitedness and absolute like being terrified. <laughs> and it's and it really is like like that polar opposite. You know, it's like on one hand, it's like, oh, and, uh, you know, so-and-so from, you know, large website or this person, large YouTuber reach, reaches out and is like, hey, I want to play your game. I'm just like, yes! And then, and then uh, subsequently, I'm just like, but, but what if they don't like it? What if it fucking sucks? What if nobody buys it? You know, like it, all these thoughts going through your head constantly, right? And, and you don't, and you have no idea of really knowing, like, until your launch day, you know, and that's it. And even then, it's like, oh... Did it make its money back on day one? Is it going to be like a slow burn, but still going to be profitable? Or did it just completely tank and you're going to have to be like, write that development cost off. Like, we're not making it back. You know, and it's uh, it's crazy, but it's, I don't know. It's it's a cool feeling and it's something that you never get used to. Like, for sure. Like, I don't know how many games I'm launching. I'm, I'm not trying to sound like, oh, I've done a million. But uh, I just mean like, uh I, I probably I maybe I've launched like forty or fifty games or something like that over like a, a very long period of time, um, and uh, and the feeling is always the same. Hmm. So have maybe you, have you been through it all like the the flops, the successes, the the day one type stuff? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Like uh, just just speaking from the current company I'm at, Raw Fury, like the very first game we ever launched uh, was a success on day one. There were three of us. The three of us uh, started the company. No one was taking a paycheck. <laughs> wow. My wife was like six months pregnant. And I was like, oh, I'm going to leave my stable job and go work with my friends doing this thing and not take money. And she's like, <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, True but it paid off. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, I'm really lucky. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it, it paid off for us. And then we've also definitely had some launches that were completely lackluster. Mm. And that when we have not made money on those titles. And it's just like, that's just the way it's going to be. You know, so you win, you win some, you lose some, but it, the the thrill never never changes. So. Wow, yeah, that's that's interesting because I've never been able to to hear this type of perspective. Um, I'm trying to think, what else can I, I ask? Well, I, mean, well uh, it, I will ask something. Is that okay? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, I, anyway, yeah. I was I was talking to uh, Victor Magnuson, uh, who vermin died, and he was saying that Lyric was playing their game the day it got released and there was some weird thing where every time you tried to do something it would crash and so what happened was you have he said you have the major star (laughs) who is excited about your thing and he said you could see his excitement starting to drain so Mm. he said like 
they were on Twitch. They were calling people. They're like, get us in touch with this fucker. We, we want to fix this right away. Have you ever, when, when something bad does happen, when you release something, is, is there ever a way to recover? Because that's a question that has always preoccupied my mind. Like, if they have a bad first week, other than Ubisoft, you know, just saying we're going to throw money at Division until it's good. How, how, how do you go about the? How do you go about fixing a fail or not a failure? I don't want to call it a fail, but you know no, what you I mean. Could, you could call it a failure. Like it's man, that is such a case by case thing. Um, I'll give you a real example. So uh, this is like back in like 2010, 2011. Uh, I was working at a PR agency and we were launching a, a little indie title called Magica. And uh, and back then it was like this really cool innovative game. I, I'm not going to try to describe it because it'll take too long. But the short version of it is it's like a three fourths dungeon crawler slash adventure game with this really interesting magic mechanic where you uh, mix spells on the fly and it's it can be really difficult. Also, the game was incredibly buggy, but it was also really innovative. So, you know, it that launched so good. It oh you like oh, it is good hey, oh hey. dude no I you said you don't know if people knew it and I'm like I don't know if you know but that game is like considered by a lot of people as being a classic now so it's, so sorry no that's okay I'm glad I'm glad uh, to hear that like uh, um, I have a lot of really good personal memories attached to that game because it's one of the first like kind of big indie games I got to work on when I like first started in this industry so uh, a lot of uh, it's got a special place in my heart let's put it that way cool. uh, but when it launched it was a buggy piece of shit. So, like, you know, it's like, oh, it's like four-player online. The online, like, crashed all the time. And, you know, this wasn't during the age of uh, Twitch, but YouTube was kind of around. And you were depending on really large websites and people that are known on Twitter that wrote for, like, IGN and Ars Technica and GameSpot and stuff like that. And you'd see people just tweeting out, like, yeah, I wanted to love this game, but I can't even boot it up. Mm. You know, and it, but it still sold well, right? And eventually, like, like, within, like, two or three weeks, like, it got patched up. It was much more stable, which is really cool. Fast forward to now, like, yeah, it's going to run on, on, on a lot of things, and it's totally fine, right? But back then, man, we were, we were really afraid. Like, it, it, it could have gone either way. Hmm. And I think in that case, it went positive because it did something that was really, really cool at the time, something that, something that was really different for gameplay. Um, but what if, uh, what if it was just a regular old game, like a regular hmm. online game or something, like, and it fails? Like, I don't think there is a way to recover from that, honestly. Unless you have a big built-in community already, like you're probably screwed, mm. and that sucks. But that's, I mean, it's the way it is, right? <laughs> I'm just, I'm amazed right now hearing this type of stuff because it's, it's all like the questions I've ever wanted answers for <laughs> when it comes oh, yeah. to this type of stuff. <laughs> Come on, bring it, uh, bring it, <laughs> uh, Tarmac. What you were going to say something? I, I well, so to to sort of springboard off of that, what about early access in the indie scene? Right, because Ooh. so early access, you you kind of only get one launch, right? As soon as you mm-hmm. come out onto onto early access, people are going to start looking yeah. at your stuff while it's broken, and so they'll they'll give it a little bit of extra ground, a little bit of extra rope to hang yourself with, or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, right? But then you have your actual release, and media doesn't care, right? They they've already been playing it for a little while. They're they're they've moved on. Um, is is there much talk in the indie scene about early access and whether it should be avoided? I mean, I. Because it doesn't look like it. Um, so, like, it is it is a tough conversation, right? Because uh, early access, as you said, that, that early access launch is basically your launch. And if it does poorly, you've got quite the mountain to climb, right? And if it does well, even if it does well, you still might not get that second, uh, that second win when your actual launch happens. I can think of two examples 
in the indie world where it did work out quite well. Well, one I think is going to work out quite well. One is just proven it has worked quite well. Subnautica is the, the successful one. It's been in early access for two two years, three years, yeah. something like that, right? And mm-hmm. it just recently went into full access. And I think because there was such a long time between when it first launched and what it is now that so much of that game has changed that people are willing to give it another shot. Like I actually did not realize it had launched out of early access until I saw a million people on Twitch and YouTube posting videos and streams. I was like, what? why is everyone so interested in Subnautica all of a sudden? And then I was like, oh, okay, I see. You know, uh, Dead Cells, right. I don't know if anyone here has played Dead Cells. Um, it, uh, it's, like a, it's basically like a, a, a roguelite Castlevania. Like, it's, okay. it's a really good one. Uh, and, uh, and it's been in early access uh, for almost a year now. And it had a pretty successful early access launch. And I don't know when it's going to come out of early access, but I think it's the kind of game that's going to change so much over time that people are definitely going to give it, like, another shot. You know, something else to think about, like, uh, kind of taking a, a, a play from PUBG, um, though I know that that's obviously, like, a huge outlier, but, you know, they coupled their, their uh, retail launch out of early access with a console release. So you could do that too. You could be like, "Hey, this is our indie game. We're going to take it out of early access, and it's going to be on Switch at the same time." Boom, you know. Right, and all right. of a sudden, that's like hype. You know, people are going to be really excited for that. So, uh, so I think there's ways to combat it, but uh, it's again, it's you're right. It's totally a gamble still. Like, th- th- there's no, there's no proven method for any of this stuff, or else everyone would be doing it, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've been trying. I've been trying to sort out, you know, from the YouTuber side, you know, how, what can we do um, to to make that better? Right, because some of these games, when they do finally come out, you know, it's it's really worth people's time. But the the media cycle's already forgotten about it, and uh, you know, it, it's it's really really tricky because I don't I don't want to do three different reviews for a for a video game. I want to do one, <laughs> right? And they can then and then then you go and you patch it. However, many, six months, twelve months down the line, and it's you know even more amazing twelve months later. But how do you get new people to come in then? It's it's just a really uh, really really tricky situation. Hmm. There's no I, easy way around it. I also think I, I'm on sort of the opposite side where uh, I believe that if you charge money, you're able to be reviewed. So if somebody says we want nine bucks, well, it better be fucking playable because I'm going to tell you if it's not for nine bucks, yeah. and and I'm going to flay the fuck out of that if that thing doesn't run. But at the same time, you do have to look at them a little bit more flexibly. But what I think is a good idea is like David was saying was waiting. Because I do think that it comes too quick. It's like early access, and then we're doing this. And it's it, it, it just on me when he said it. I'm like, there are a lot of games that if they've waited, it's almost like the media cycle, different people, or just enough time where you're like, oh, you know what? I will I will check that out because I don't. My memory isn't even fresh of Subnautica, for example. And I covered mm-hmm. it, and I couldn't figure out why people were looking at the video. All of a sudden, my video was showing up. You know how it is, guys. When like you're in YouTube, yeah. and you can see a video, and you'll be all, what the fuck? Did this go on sale? Like, why is why are people suddenly watching it? And then I did the same thing David did, where I went online and it's like, yeah. oh, I see, it came out of early access. Yeah, um, I saw that. I like uh, the idea of delaying. I, I think that's a good. I, I'd like more companies to do that versus the two months later because I, I, it's just sort of messy. It's good for mm-hmm. a few reasons too, because like if if first off you have to be able to afford to to be able to develop for that long, right? Because like, what if you release a game in early access and then no one buys it? True. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I don't think we could do our two-year dev cycle after early access launch that we were planning on. So now you got to whip up something really fast. But let's just pretend that for a moment, like you have a moderately successful early access, right? Or you have some extra funds, anyways, to cushion you. Like, yeah, like 
keep it running for a couple years, build a community. Like that's what's going to keep you afloat when that game comes out in 1.0, right? It's like making sure that you have service to people that are apps like actually supporting you. You know, and you guys know that as creators, right? Absolutely. Like you, yeah. you have to, you have to be able to do that. Like you have to be able to to, to keep your community together and uh, and keep them positive and stuff like that, right? And then, you know, they'll they'll keep watching you. They'll tell their friends about you. It's like the same thing with video games, obviously. So yeah, so the early access can provide you that too. It gives you time to really get to know who your community is. You know, is there anything specific to do to to, we'll say, cultivate a community like? You know, like, is there any, like, besides just handing out keys, like, is there a trick? Is there a... <laughs> oh, man, you must not be... You got to read David's Twitter, man. When somebody is a... Oh, man, I will wake up and every morning there's him dissing on somebody for requesting a key in a dumb way or whatever. He'll be like, he flays him, man. I'll be all, what the fuck is David talking about? And then I look and I realize somebody's asked for a key, you know, like in that stupid way where you get the wrong name or whatever. Uh, You're like, hey, David, can I check out Subnautica? And David's like, dude, we don't fucking do Subnautica, yeah, dumbass. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's awesome. You should check this shit out. I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not that mean. but like, No, I you're will, not that mean. I will put people on blast if, yeah. uh, if I get really dumb requests. I get some funny ones, though. I had, some, I had one guy reach out to me. He didn't... He was like, hey, can I get a key for this? Uh, he, let, he gave me no links to his channel, no links to a website. As far as I can tell, he's just regular Joe Schmo who DM'd me on Twitter. He's like, could I please get a, a, a game from you on PC? Because if I play League any longer, I think I'm going to die. Like, that was his reason. And I, and I feel bad because he's probably dead now because I didn't give him a key. So we just <laughs> played League, I guess. <laughs> just died on his keyboard. Ugh, jungling. Ugh. Well, you know, yeah, so. we, we've had it uh, on the same side when, like, a, a PR reaches out to us and, and, and you know, they'll, they'll have, like, the, clearly they copy and pasted the template. Uh, the form letter. For, yes. for the letter, and they didn't fill in our name. So it'll be like, mm-hmm. hello, channel name, in, in brackets, and it'll have, like, the whole letter underneath. I'm like, oh. So you don't know who you sent this to then. So yeah, that, oh, yeah. that's the same shit. That, and I, I'm guilty of putting those people on blast too. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean like, uh, I've never done that in a form letter. I can honestly say that. I have definitely mixed up names in the past, like when I was like an intern, when I was first starting. Because that's, that's who's sending you these, these requests sometimes. It's like someone's yeah. boss's boss's boss is like, hey, you know that Maddie guy? He needs to play our game. Go make it happen. And then this, uh, this intern's like super nervous, like typing up like the perfect letter for you, right? <laughs> or they've just copied and pasted something else from, oh, well, we, we sent this one to Karak and he accepted it. So it must work on Maddie too. And they like forget to change the shit and they send it yeah. to you and... Yeah, and David. Yep. I think I told. I I know I've told Tarmac and Maddie this. I thought I told David this, but I had that one who forwarded me, where they were bad talking me, where they forwarded yeah. me to the person because yeah. I yeah. I requested and they were like this pos but and talking about me physically and shit. And I was like, what the fuck? What's going on? And uh, it was so funny to talk to that person later, and they're all, yeah, dude. It, it may take a while. But those people they do get jettisoned. Like, I think that I think person's you- gone. I think you DM me about that. You're like, hey, look at this. And you screen capped it. And I I remember this. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's... uh, That one, one, and I screen capped (laughs) you, the one company trying to walk around the... uh, uh, walk around the organic... Video. Oh, you right. you a couple you months ago. You don't, you don't need to put that. This is sponsored. It's totally fine. Like it's is, okay. <laughs> the FTC's not gonna care. <laughs> yeah. God. Some people, man. Like uh, it just it trips me out. It just trips me out. You still see that sometimes. Like uh, you know when uh, 
you see like a contract come around. Okay, first off, everyone everyone talks to each other in this industry, right? You guys all know that, right? Mm. Like I I have I have uh, friends like Karak here who who will send me contracts and be like, look what another company is trying to do to me. I'm like, oh my god, you're kidding me, mm-hmm. you know? And it's it, it just trips me out. I I want to say some of it's got to be like some naivety on on a you know marketing firms you know contract or whoever's sending it out, but also it probably went through a few eyes. Like before it reached your desk, so yeah. Hey, can't give him all the doubt. I have a question because so Tarmac is, um, you know, he's he's a slightly smaller channel. He's been, uh, you know, trying to contact different people, get people in line for reviews, and it's something that Maddie and I've done. But uh, one question I do, and 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 I know you'll answer this honestly, but I'm going to say, <laughs> please answer honestly. If if somebody blasts your game. How easy is it for you to give them the next one? Because I'm going to give a good example, and I'll let you give whatever example. Ubisoft, I will destroy a game, and they'll be like, hey, want to come and see our next game? And I'll be like, what? Yeah, oh, yeah. And they're here. very, they're, yeah, we, Maddie and I have joked about this. It is, what do you, what's the thought process for you, David? Like, somebody says, you know, some shit about the game. Do you just, are you, I, and I understand, you have to get your good PR out there. Do you mm-hmm. just say, mm, or are you? Do you send it? Do you send the next one right to him and say maybe this is your thing? You know. So, so for for me personally, um, what is it? I I don't blacklist people. Uh, I've definitely had people talk some mad shit about games that we put out or whatever. Right? You have to learn to not take it personally. You got to mm-hmm. be like, okay, like you. On one hand, like I see like something really bad. I'm just like, oh, I feel terrible for the developer. They they worked for a couple years on this thing, right? for it to be judged in two seconds by some guy who thinks he knows everything or she knows everything, right? And um, But on the other hand, you have to respect that, hey, people have different opinions on stuff. Not everyone's going to like everything, and that's it. And especially if the game is universally panned, like it's just terrible, then mm-hmm. what can you do, right? I think uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Um, there's a gentleman named Jim Sterling who uh, you guys probably know from YouTube. But before uh, before he was uh, doing his YouTube thing now, he used to be the reviews editor at Destructoid. And he's a huge Sonic fan. And mm-hmm. um, so I mentioned earlier that we um, uh, that I worked at a PR agency that worked alongside Sega for some of their titles and stuff. And um, a friend of mine, uh, he, he did the PR for a game called Sonic Colors, which I don't think was like a, a great Sonic game. Most of those three Sonics aren't, aren't great Sonic games, yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh, Sonic Mania, though, on the other hand, like, ching um, But uh, Jim Sterling hated it, trashed it, gave it like a 3 out of 10 or 4 out of 10. You can probably find the review still on the internet somewhere. It's pretty bad. And, um, and what they did instead of, of you know, writing some horrible email or whatever it was, they took one of the massive E3 banners that they hung that year to promote Sonic Colors. I mean, I'm talking it's like a 50-foot banner. And they mailed it to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you know what? We totally understand. But just in case you turn things around, here's a nice gift from us, right? And, yeah. <laughs> so I, awesome. the reason why they invite you is because they're like, all right, well, maybe, maybe if we get to know this guy a little bit, like, yeah. he won't shit on us next time. You know, that's, I, to be honest, that is, that is absolutely the underlying motive, right? Um, and I think so long as it doesn't actually compromise your integrity, and I'm talking directly to you three, like, then, cool, take the trip. 
you know, whatever. At least you get to know some people. You get to shake some hands. You never know where someone's going to be later just because Ubisoft invites you somewhere and you meet someone. So it doesn't mean so-and-so is going to stay at Ubisoft forever. They might move on somewhere else. That's, that's you know? one thing that surprised me. My, my first ever event was actually with Ubisoft, and I went to San Francisco. It was to see Far Cry 4, I think. And Next time I'm here, I, I, I was in the city. Yeah, you, there you go. And uh, there was this girl who worked there named Nikki, and she was sweet as hell, really friendly and, and welcoming. And, and since it was my first experience with all of this, like working with PR, going to an event, like it was just very fresh to me. She was very welcoming. And then I go to another event for Ubisoft. She's not there. And I'm like, oh, maybe she didn't make the trip. And I go to another one. And it turns out she doesn't work there anymore. And so it was like this weird feeling realizing, oh, shit, right. Right? They, they're not here forever. They move on. Yeah, pe- yeah, people people move around all the time. Mm-hmm. That's totally a thing. Like, uh, I was gonna say conversely, like, uh, um, you got you guys. I'm sure you know the name Angry Joe Vargas. I know I've told Carrick this story before, but yeah, uh, back in my Paradox days, uh, like 2011, um, we flew him to New York for an event, and it was the first time I've ever met him. He had maybe like 30 or 40 thousand subscribers at the time. What's he at? Like three million now or something, and um, and I remember going up to him. Right, this is again. This is like 2011. Right, this is New York City. I've never been there. It's my first time there, and I go up to to him. I'm like, uh, I got like a clipboard. I'm like, oh, Mr. Vargas, um, uh, I just want to let you know that your car service will be here uh, to pick you up at 3:30. Take you to the airport. And he looks at me in the crazy Texas accent. He goes, Oh hell, man, really? You guys are driving me to the airport? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, no one's ever flown me anywhere. You guys have been so nice. This is great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and like fast fast forward to now, right? It's like, uh, you know, if I if I want to get his attention, I will just DM him. You know, yeah. on on Twitter or something like that, or if I run into him at a show, it's always like a big ass hug and oh, let's go get a beer, something like that. And so we'll just you know zip off or whatever. Obviously, he's he's a bit more popular now. But the point is that we've built this relationship, right? Which is why I'm saying like, hey, if someone wants to offer you a trip somewhere, like go ahead and take it, and just make sure that it doesn't compromise your integrity. Still be you, right? Hey, if you don't like their next game they sent you out for, and you're gonna shit on it, like, you know, mm. they should have made a better game. <laughs> it is always I've always felt it is I wouldn't say awkward it always feels a little strange when I like rip up a Ubisoft game and then I see them like a month later at an event and we're just talking like nothing happened in the back of my head I'm like yeah I just shit all over Assassin's Creed Syndicate oh <laughs> they, they know it too though yeah and they're just <laughs> like oh it's that guy what's up Matt <laughs> oh I need to give this oh. more alcohol yeah uh <laughs> I, I think I told this to Maddie, but I had just emailed somebody from one of the largest companies, and I was like, I need a PR contact, blah, 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 for, for this. And I didn't get a response, and I was getting ready to res- I was getting ready to just say, just touch and base again on this. And I got a response from, like, somebody who had, like, CEO in their name. And it was, well, I, I don't think it's bad. It was one of the heads of the, like, the, P, the, the main PR that handles Take-Two. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I know your stuff. I've watched it, and I, it's that moment where you're reading. Because whenever say, no, I know you, and then from that point on, you have no clue. It's like when I read this, is it going to be the worst day of my life? Where the person's like, and you fucking suck, you know, <laughs> or something like that. And instead, he was very cool. And I think I told Maddie, even though he didn't like Syndicate, um, there's a funny story. Syndicate Gilberto is his name. He used to work at Ubisoft, mm-hmm. and he's moved now. He handles smaller games. We recorded uh, Syndicate footage that was not allowed to be recorded. And he, and he was helping us, and it accidentally got recorded. And so we're Cadiz and I are at fucking you know at the Minecraft Telltale announcement booth or whatever. And I get these frantic, frantic texts that are like, "Carrick, come here now! You can't, you know, you've got this blah blah blah." And I'm like, 
this is a PR guy. So I'm all, what the fuck did we do? Like I, cause it was my first time. I was like, we're screwed. Like all I wanted to do is cover a game. Like I have no clue. And I show up and he's the, one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet. And he's like, Hey man, I just need to switch out, you, you know, USBs. You have the raw, you have footage that we're not allowed to show and stuff like that. So it's like, once they do know you, cause, and he's been cool from that day on, once they do know you, I think also people understand where a YouTuber comes from. And so if they do diss on something, for example, I bet you Jim Sterling got the joke. If that makes sense, if that oh. is what I'm trying to say, he's the one that yeah. posted about it. That's how I know it, the end of the story. It, it, like that's, that's, that's what I mean is like, they, I, I think for the most part, everybody sort of gets it and they're, unless it's just bad for bad sake or you're attacking it or even good. I've had people say like, you know, you, you can sort of tell that they're like, you really liked this, even though they worked on the game and you're all, yeah, <laughs> why? And you can sort of tell they're like, wow, I'm surprised they liked it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's definitely interesting to see how all the relationships sort of, sort of yeah. pan out. When you, when you cultivate a relationship, like, you know, we're all humans, right? So it's just like, all right, yeah. I don't think, he, I don't think you know, Karak meant to actually take that footage. My fault for not looking. Like, yeah. I'll, just, I'll just ask him, like, hey, could you just not show that? Yeah. And that's it. And they'd be like, oh, we know each other. So you'll, you know, so you'll hopefully do it. <laughs> you'll probably yeah. do it. Like, it's, it's, and it's fine. It's, that's the thing. It's like, uh, um, you know, like, again, uh, we're just, we're just chit chatting right now. Right now we know each other. And, you know, if uh, you ever want to ask me for, for some information on something like that or whatever, like, just, just give me a shout. It's like, it's, it's not a thing. Uh, most of us, uh, when we act like humans to each other, we get human responses, you know, in this case, yeah. you know, oh, just please don't show that. Like, go ahead, yeah, keep right. it for yourself. Just don't show it. I, I and it's a, fine. I had a moment one time I made an ass out of myself. Um, and this wasn't even <laughs> like one of my first times, too. This is, I think it was PAX 2016. And uh, I was demoing this indie game. And I, I have a problem understanding accents. I always have. I just suck with accents. And... Um, it was really loud in the section we were in on the floor, and um, this guy, he had more of a, like a British accent. It wasn't anything I was unfamiliar with, but it was just, I was having a tough time understanding him because of like the noise, and I was focusing on the game and, and trying to talk to him. And so he like, he leans over, and I think he said, uh, what, like, what are you, a creator, or what, like, he was, he was touching base, you know, getting to know me, and I heard him say, like, are you Irish? And, and, and so my <laughs> response to him is like, no, nah, I'm Italian, actually, believe it or not. I know the hair kind of makes you think otherwise because it's a little more Auburn. And this guy looks at me like steps back oh like, my what the fuck? Like, and my friends are looking at me like I just like I'm hearing things and they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, didn't he ask where I'm from like, or, or what I am? And they're like, no, he asked you if you're a creator. I'm like, oh, oh okay. And, and so I correct myself. I'm like, yeah, I do YouTube. <laughs> and I, and like I, I said something else afterwards that I can't remember, but like I did it a second time, and I was like, at that point, I was like, this demo needs to end. I need to get the fuck out of here. So <laughs> I, I, I've been on the other end where I've made an ass out of myself, and I, I my friends still bring it up to this day. They oh, it's was totally. I, I was just going to ask if Tarmac, um, did, you haven't got to go to one. I think you were saying that you are in 2018 going to try to go to an event. For well, I know. So I, I mean, I I went to PAX last year. Um, oh, okay. You know, I've I've been to E3 and some of those sorts of things. As far as these PR events and and stuff like that, I don't. I'm not big enough to get invited out to that kind of stuff. Um, I went. I did go to the uh, Mass Effect One thing. They brought me along for that, but that was because I had worked uh, on Jade Empire for a little while. So, um, one of my I, favorite games. Wait, no, can't. Got to stop. Got to stop. One of my one of my favorite games of all time. Wait, pause. I'm what did, sorry. What did you do on Jade Empire? I just played that What'd for the you, first time last you work, year. Dude, you worked on Jade Empire? 
Yeah, contract QA. I was just, I, I had uh, eight months, nine months, give or take. Um, wow. That's pretty cool, man. That's so. awesome. Oh. It, was, it was a lot of Sorry, fun. that just surprised me. Yeah. That's, that's all. crap. Okay, go on. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I, I'd love to do more events, though. I, I'm hoping to get out to E3 this year and probably PAX again. Um, I mean, it's just, it, to me, it's fun. I know a lot of people get really burnt out on going to these big these big things, but I just don't. I, I love it. I love the spectacle. I love how ridiculous everything is, how you totally can't trust gameplay there. And, you know, just everything about it is just, it, it, it's this facade of amazing. It's like It's like going to Vegas. Right, yeah. going to these things—it's—it's yeah. it's like that for video games. The um, glitz, the glamour. It's like the yeah. the dog and the pony show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I totally. Me, feel. But it's, it's like, also fun to see. Oh, sorry. No, no. I, I was just gonna say, for me, it's like the, uh, you know, because like sometimes like text on a screen, it can only permeate permeate so much, and it's like when you actually see the gamers, the creators in person, and you and you interact yeah. with them in their in their content, it's a, mm-hmm. a lot more of a connection being established and it's a lot more exciting being a gamer i feel in those times so that's why i i don't get burnt out on those conventions i, I look very much forward to them i mean to cut you off though david go on no, no you just made my point i was oh. just gonna say like it's it's really cool like sometimes though to to see how the sausage is made and conversely it's also really great to finally meet like the the people behind the mics right and behind the the words that you see on websites like um speaking of words i, I, I want to read what the first time i ever heard carrick speak about a game that I worked on, and then and then having this impression of this man, and then meeting him finally after like months and months and months later at a PAX. So this is the op- this is almost the opening. Aside from your introduction, you, this is what you said about Pillars of Eternity. Oh, this is God. So here we go. Oh, this is so good. I can't say it like you, right? But I'm gonna try my best. This game was kickstarted, which just like Divinity: Original Sin means that a good deal less people were screwed during the creation of this yeah. game, and in fact. The creation of this game even happening in the first place is probably completely based on the fact that fans know what they want far more than some overlords sitting in their CEO chair made of customer support letters ordering escorts for their sordid sexual deviances and tactically figuring out just how many types of DRM they could get into a game while squeezing every bit of fun from a title like DLC was created to suck out our own soul juices. Yeah, so, yeah, that's embarrassing. Oh <laughs> man, Eric, did, did you do that in one breath? Yeah. You did. Yeah, you I, did. I, I usually I can usually record most of the review in one in one like take, but that was uh, that was back. I can't remember. I think it was Divinity and Pillars hit, and they yeah. were so different. I mean, mm-hmm. and because I think everybody here's played Pillars, and everybody here's probably played uh, um, uh, Divinity, and you play them, and you're just like, whoa, these are not. These are like not what everything else is. You know, there's yeah. a there's a spirit to them, and that I distinctly remember being pretty fired up. <laughs> I no, like, but I thought, I thought yeah. it was really cool. I mean, again, like I've, I'm watching this right first first ever time I've uh, uh, aside from you know a couple short email exchanges have I seen this guy's work, and <laughs> I'm just like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like that's great, and I remember sending it to the CEO and be like, "Hey, check out what he said about you." And no, but he was laughing though. Like oh. the, the CEO of Paradox, he's like, and and also Obsidian, um, Fer- Fergus Urquhart. He's a he's a he's a cool guy. Both him and uh, Paradox CEO Fred Wester are both like just really down to earth, like actual gamer dudes. You know, like they have companies to run, yeah, but they're not like 
it's not like some of the other soul-sucking corporations out there, at least. Yeah. yeah. And especially Obsidian in particular, only because like they're an independent studio, technically. They're not owned by any large publisher. Like they they're like a two hundred person studio that is fully maintained by contract work, which is like something you don't really see nowadays. Sounds it's, it's heard of. It is, yeah, and that's else. why that's why Pillars of Eternity is cool because um because it's their own IP. It's like CD Projekt Red, you know. No one owns them either. Like it's it's just them and The Witcher. All that Witcher money. That's, you know? that's what worries me about the the private me division too. thing because yeah. it, it. So did Kickstarter not? pan out the way that they had hoped right because if it had why would you bother getting a publisher for the the new obsidian rpg right like i'll tell you why i would love to know yeah the the reason why is because there there are thousands and thousands of back of rewards that if if you're just a development studio not a publisher you're not you might not be equipped to handle that stuff it might be easier to find a partner to do it for you right Mm -hmm. like um Obviously, I can't divulge like uh, details and you know contracts and and profit sharing and stuff like that. But um, but you could reasonably uh, surmise that the traditional publisher developer deal, like the split of revenue, uh, is not applicable to a situation like that. Since yeah, they they crowdfund in all their own all their own development costs. So it's really just about having someone help them out um, with uh, with a lot of the other things. There are a lot of things that developers aren't equipped for, or it takes a long time, right? Like even getting a Steam page up. <laughs> It's like not a simple task. Like you're like, oh, indie devs can do it. You're like, yeah, but you know how long they probably spent on that? Like, you know, and then uh, imagine if you want to put the game on console. There's like crazy amount of hoops just to get through certification. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we made the game in Unity. It's not like you hit a button and it's like, oh, there's the Xbox version. There's the Switch version. Like it it doesn't work like that, you know, so. Yeah, Yeah. I I uh, remember some of the old cert stuff when when we were doing the the final run up to Jade, Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and... it, things like in in the options menu, this option has to be listed before this option kind of thing. Like that wow. was a rule for Microsoft for the original Xbox. Uh, I don't remember any other specific, but it was a lot of just kind of, I don't know, really Minutia, bizarre I things guess. like that. Yeah. There, yeah, There are funny like archaic ones. It's like, uh, what if someone unplugs and replugs a controller a hundred times in a row? What does the game do? You know, <laughs> you know, just all kinds of like weird stuff. Uh uh, like a, a large laundry list of things that you have to make sure your game behaves properly uh, when it does like these yeah. things that no one's probably ever going to do. My friend has done QA <laughs> at uh, TT Games for a while, and I'm just thinking of imagine trying to break those Lego games. Like, <laughs> the things you got to do for that, it's crazy. What I don't know if you guys saw, but so when I was a kid uh, with a 2600, Atari 2600, you could adjust, you could slightly install or, or put the cartridge in, or you could flick the reset button and that was how you got into debug and so i talked about this on a podcast just last week and somebody emailed me the coolest video i've ever seen and unfortunately i can't remember i'll have to give it to maddie but basically it's a sonic blasts creator who said that what he did was every bug that the game would display he wrote out a thing so it would say okay here's what happened but then he covered it up and said, "You have attained a secret level chew, uh, a secret <laughs> level chew screen." So he got through certification every time, and he said Microsoft or not Microsoft, Sega at the time had no clue. But what would happen is he said the reason why he figured out what was going on is people were saying if you tap the top of the Genesis, um, he would get this secret level screen, and he was like, "I didn't program that in." And then it dawned on him it's because the CPU there's a little glitch just for a second. And he wrote in this fake page to basically say, <laughs> you've found a secret level choice. Just go ahead and choose a secret level from here. And people thought they were being rewarded. They were like, oh, awesome. I did something cool. 
it was just some crazy little bit of tech behind the scene <laughs> and um a little and he was talking about how hard it was to get through cert he's like i sailed through cert on the next three games because i did that he's that like, is that is genius. it's ingenious yeah. we're gonna, check I'm it gonna start using that youtube check look at our youtube like, it, it's like it, uh, when we when we port a game to Switch and it like you know and the Switch freezes up. It's like just re- <laughs> reset your Switch for a special prize. It's like a show, <laughs> oh, <man. Yeah. laughs> it's like a show up on what the is, screen. Um, what's the game? Eternal Darkness. Um, that's the game that also fakes that it did that shit. I don't know if you guys played that on the game. It was the GameCube. Was Eternal Dark? Or, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, and it would say like um, your save game's corrupt. And you're all, are you kidding? But it was just, te- it was just fucking with you. And it would pretend the controller came unplugged. It would clip mm-hmm. on act. You guys should check out some of the crazy shit that they had installed. And a lot of the ideas that they did, because it was about sanity, a lot of the ideas in that game were based on bugs. And they were like, hey, I got an idea. Let's just put that in as a bug, or as, a, as one of the san- sanity-bending moments. Mm. And and pretend it's on purpose. <laughs> oh, I, I, I bet the cert process on that game was a oh, pain you in the ass. Oh no, it's it's it meant to do that. It, that's on purpose. <laughs> that oh, I I call, how do they not just call bullshit and let that slip? I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> I mean, if you're the creator and you say that that's the way it should be, then... I guess they just let I'm, them launch it. <laughs> yeah, right. That's incredible, man. They're like, Fuck it, ship it. <laughs> man it's it's been fascinating learning just how much goes on behind the scenes with all of this i gotta say it's been uh this has been easily one of the most uh for me personally at least mentally stimulating conversations we've had on the show in a while oh man but, what maddie's saying is i'm usually and lone are very boring yeah i was like <laughs> wait i just totally got roasted my co-host at the <laughs> oh, oh dude I'm whoops <laughs> Sorry, you guys suck. <laughs> no, it, it's cool to have people love. on here. Uh, yeah, it, it's cool to have people on here who um, have a little bit because we talked to we've talked to let's see we've done a couple voice actors and a couple um, a, a couple mm-hmm. people who did like level design and stuff like that. But I didn't know Tarmac did QA. I I've done it on one game and a couple other side games online. There's a company that does it, and I and David with his you know all the publisher stuff in the background. It's always so interesting because like everybody comes at it from a different fucking angle. And it, it's so awesome to finally get somebody who's on that side to be like, no, we know you're being a dumbass or whatever. And you're because you always you're always like, I, I, maybe they didn't notice. It's like, no, nah. like you said, totally we know know. Who you are. We totally know. <laughs> we know who you are. It's like it's weird. It's weird sometimes being a PR person because it's like uh, my job is to, uh, you know, yeah, basically I kind of keep keep my finger on the pulse of like YouTube of Twitch and you know, whichever websites are, are uh, still running that are, uh, that are, uh, have a large readership or whatever. Right. And, and because of that, like you, you, you know, you maybe follow someone on Twitter or you hear about their shenanigans or whatever. Right. And then if you meet them for the first time, you have to pretend like, uh, like I don't really know, don't really know you. Like we've just met for the first time, but secretly you're probably like, yeah, I've heard some stuff, you know, <laughs> it's like, it, it's, it's, it's kind of this weird game that you play sometimes, but, um, but in the end, like once you actually meet somebody, it's like, well, okay, cool. Well, now we have our own history. Now, now we're humans together. Now we can uh, bullshit with one another, and and I don't have to hear hearsay anymore, mm-hmm. you know. So, but yeah, but for a while before you meet somebody, it's like, okay, I gotta do my research, and it's like fucking, it's a little weird, but 
Um, I try not to do that actually. It's also <laughs> I think I'm at... better because, like, you know, there's that per- almost at least what I do is I, I have this like whole professional back and forth thing, and then when someone meets me, I, I drop the f bomb twice in the same sentence. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, oh, this is who you really are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like when I was coming in, like, like yeah, I don't want to sound like I was like I'm creepy or anyone that does PR is creepy. What I mean is like before I came on this podcast, I was like, well. You know, I've never met Maddie before, and I've never met Tarmac before, and uh, I should at least listen to a podcast, you know? So, uh, you know, and that's why I discovered, like, ah, okay, so Tarmac's a guest, and Maddie, this is his show, you know? And uh, and I listened to one or two episodes, and I listened to um, uh, Carax's latest podcast. So you're a Puzzle Pirates fan, by the way? Dude, yeah. Did you ever listen to... That's how I met my wife. Or not met, but but courted my wife, I guess. Mm -hmm. We played Puzzle Pirates... For hours and hours and hours. That and a game called Dofus, which is a French... I know Dofus. Um, do- I, I, I played that MMO, yeah. Dude, <laughs> I love that game. Yeah. I was asking because a friend of mine used to run... This This is this is going to date all of us. Well, not Maddie, but Just the rest you and of us. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, fellas. Uh, a friend of mine used to run a Puzzle Pirates uh, shoutcast on Winamp. Uh, on Winamp? Um, Winamp. Is this anymore? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> That's how long ago this was. This is like 2002, 2003. The reason why I bring it up because he's now the the head of PR at Paradox, and uh, <laughs> but back in the day, but back in the day, he ran a fan podcast. Well, they weren't called podcasts because that uh, iPod didn't exist. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a shoutcast, and it was on Winamping to plug in like the IP address, and they had like up to a hundred listeners. They had upgraded their server twice because apparently it was popular in the Puzzle Pirates community. Wow. Called uh, the the Shandy something. I, I can't remember what it's called now, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> small world stuff. <laughs> Everybody always teases me and Maddie because we we like these weird games. Like Sims, Sims is easily my favorite um, like series of all time by by such a landslide. And I remember telling Maddie we have a GIF of Maddie reacting to me saying that, like. Because he's, he's like, oh, Caracal, like a shooter, and I'm like, nah, Sims no, are my favorite. You see Maddie go. Like see Maddie story. go. You know, and you're like, what the fuck? And you, and then Maddie told me, uh, Maddie and I, that's one of the ways that we always tease each other because Maddie likes um, Hardline and I like Far Cry Primal. And so we're just constantly ripping on each other about like always. what somebody likes or what somebody dislikes. And it's funny because I think that's why I enjoy like being on the podcast and stuff like that is because it is laid back. He does bring on guests like uh, Tarmac and yourself. And you get these different, you, you get a little bit different stories, I think, when you bring... I don't. I'm not dissing on anybody who's AAA or bigger, but you, when you bring in small, like a smaller YouTuber like Tarmac, there's he's going through stuff that even though I was smaller at one time, maybe it wasn't the same. Maybe things have changed, right? And then Maddie's at a different size, and I'm at a different size, and then somebody like yourself, it's so cool because you'll get these AAA guys. They can't say a lot, not to be rude, but they can't, yeah. or they, mm-hmm. or they won't. I don't know, and. And that's why I, I definitely appreciate you guys coming on and hearing some of these funny stories because it's just like it's it, it it makes it a little less intimidating, I think, mm-hmm. for a lot of people who are listening. Okay. You know, you know sometimes like the AAA guys, like they want to say stuff, but you're right. They, right. They're shackled. They can't. I'll give you a really good example, actually. Um, uh, you guys uh, keep up with Battlefield, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you guys played Bad Company 2? Yes. Uh, yeah. That's my favorite one. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm about to disappoint you then. Ooh, um, <laughs> Ooh here we go. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. But like, it's not that bad. But like, um, so at Raw Fury, right, we have uh, two guys that I work with. One is a co-founder like me, and the other one is a guy that came in really early. There are 13 of us now. 
Um, I'm talking about the number two guy and the number five guy. And the number two guy is the associate producer for Bad Company 2. He worked at DICE in Stockholm. And the number five guy is the executive producer for Bad Company 2, right? Wow, okay. So these are two guys that have absolutely worked in AAA, and they made what is arguably one of the best, like, Battlefield games, from what I understand. And um, and neither of them have been at that studio for years now. So any new Bad, bad Company game that comes out is not going to be produced by the same guys who made number exactly. two, like, amazing. And uh, they're, they're, at, they're, at raw, they're at Raw Fury now. Sorry, they're... They're with me. Uh, so, <laughs> so, buy all your games now. Congrats, right. your job is done. You've it's sold all, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're done. David's done his work. I've done my work. Uh, it's no, uh, we're not releasing uh, first-person shooters. I apologize. Uh, but uh, but but the reason why I was bringing it up is because yeah, I mean when these guys were at EA, like, uh, and and this is not just EA. This is every large publisher, right? Like, sometimes you just can't say shit. <laughs> like, you go on a press tour and you want to really talk about something and you. You can't. You're shackled. You know, you know they they uh, they stifle you a little bit. But now that these guys, uh, you know, are at a much smaller company, and we're like just like this kind of scrappy upstart, like we say, we just say whatever we want, and it's great because we only answer to ourselves. And it's like yeah. it's pretty fantastic. But so yeah, but the you know AAA companies have have humans there as well. Just sometimes yeah. they got to think about oh, do I want to keep my job or not? <laughs> so I'm not yeah. gonna talk shit. Uh, <laughs> but the, believe me, I think they they all want to. <laughs> or not, not not just talk shit, but they all want to just you know talk about stuff that they're they are not supposed to talk about. They want to give you the inside scoop. They want to tell you about everything, and they just they can't. You know, yeah, so I, keep I, always I, keep that in mind because the CEO remember. doesn't want to answer that question in the earnings call. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, I, I refer back to like a conversation I had with uh, someone at Bethesda. Uh, I wonder if it's almost like okay, we're we're off the record here. You know, we're talking in person, so it's not like you can just go and show this information to someone else. Because I remember it was when they were first announcing that big review policy change of theirs that they've now backed down on. But initially, you know, it was met with a lot of criticism, a lot of confusion. And I remember talking to one of the PR people there, and they were like, "Yeah, we don't know what the fuck's going on with that." And I was just like, <laughs> "I love it." Huh? Okay, like you know, but it was to hear that from a, a AAA company. It was it was different because you know most people are like, "We got it fixed," and we are thinking about our community and our fans. Like you usually think of that, you know, real business front. He's like, "Yeah, we don't fucking know really why they're doing this, but they are." Mm-hmm. Well, um, uh, uh, Tom Kalansky, the old Sega president, he ran Sega during Genesis and starting Saturn days. He has done various interviews. He's out of the business completely. But one of the things he had said also was that he notices, and multiple people have actually said this, uh, Michael, I think his name's Mendheim, he did Mutant League Football, and he just released the new one. Um, He said this as well, that when you're at those big companies, not only many times do you want to say something, but it would actually behoove everybody if you did. Because when there's a softness there, fans will dig into it. And they will be like, you fucking said, and, and, and I agree with devs where sometimes they're like, we can roll shit back. What are you talking about? Like, it is our game. I can, you know, if Bob Ross wants to paint over the top of his fucking tree, he can do that. That's his. And I think with gaming, we have issues with that. And that was one of the things he said, though, is that right now it's like uh, a lot of the bigger companies probably would like, you know, some of those people working for him, I mean, would love to be all, yeah, you can do this or that, or you can't do this, or we're not going to put that, but it's become such a soft word kind of situation that they, they, they're not allowed to. And then that burns them in the long run because fans will remember there will be a subreddit created for your game 
and that subreddit's entire job will be to tease you until you want to die. <laughs> like, if you, if you go to subreddit and you look up any game, there's a subreddit for it. And I can guarantee you that somebody said something that's pissed somebody off. It's, it's pretty crazy to hear, like, the, the stories of that. And, and that, yeah, like David said, there's people in charge who want to probably say exactly what we want to hear. But they just, they're just fucking stuck, you know? It just, mm-hmm. it, it sort of sucks, man. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. I feel like I wouldn't be built for that type of position ever then cuz or maybe idea. you'd be per maybe you'd be perfect. You'd be the one outspoken one. Mm. You know that everyone would look up to. <laughs> yeah, that could be you. That would be that'd be nice <laughs> if I worked at a company like that, but I feel like they'd fire me on day 1. They'd be like, "Dude, shut up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Could you just shut your damn trap, Maddie, please? <laughs> you got one job. Stop fucking up. Thank you. <laughs> Um, just a couple of pieces of news that I wanted to touch on before I, we, we start wrapping this up. We got to talk about Battlefront 2s and those microtransactions. We have to. All right. So EA, they decide we're going to talk on this earnings call about our um, our sales for Battlefront 2. Sells 9 million copies. To me, that sounds like an immense success, Star Wars or not. Um, I know there's an expectation because it's the Star Wars brand. They deem it an underperformance. They also say that part of that is due to the microtransactions. So as we were having our chat before this podcast, what do they do but bring the, decide to bring them back still? Mm-hmm. Got to get some hot takes here. Let's, let's hear it about, about this wonderful decision by EA. I think, I think they, they sort of said that they were going to come back the moment that they took them out, right? Like that was, that was a, a piece that was in there that we we're going to have to rework this and think about how, and it, it, it was them basically saying, yeah, this is totally coming back. It just, we don't know what it's going to look like. I, I'll be curious to see if they actually change anything or if they're just waiting to see if anybody remembers, uh, you know, they just put it back in and uh, That's what fuck I you was guys. Thinking. They're just going to wait till everyone forgets. What about you, David? What about you, David? Oh man. Yeah. It, it, it seems really counterintuitive. Like, the one thing that got you in hot water is the one thing you want to put back into the game. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, you fell short of your goal by one million units. Like, I'm also a little baffled to him. Like, okay, I know how large these budgets can be. Like, (laughs) nine million and you didn't make the mark. Like, that doesn't mean it's not successful. It just means that they projected a higher number. Projections, that's a whole other thing. That's like a bunch of BS. I don't know how anyone ever comes up with these numbers. How much should we sell? Uh, 10 million. This is called 10 million. You know, um... And uh, but yeah, but to 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 put a, a, a thing that is not only despised in this industry, but is extra despised for you specifically, <laughs> like uh, to 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 be like, oh, the answer to to more money is just to put the microtransactions back in, which is the reason why we didn't make money. Maybe we would have made ten million copies if we didn't have this horrible PR shitstorm that happened before our launch. But well, let's just let's just put the microtransactions back in and see what happens. Like, I don't know what they expect is going to happen. So, yeah. So, uh, I don't think it's the best decision. I think they could have thought of other ways to increase revenue. Like, I know that running a live service is obviously not cheap, you know, Uh, but maybe they could have went back to the drawing board and and found something else. I don't know what that something else would be, but I don't think the answer is microtransactions. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, uh, David, how much longer do you have? Because uh, we want to make sure. Because you, uh, I I say I probably got like fifteen more. Okay. Um, I, I I was gonna say one thing also, and we said this prior to the podcast, but I gotta say it because I absolutely hate these guys. They're I I I'm completely shocked 
that uh, anybody at Capcom fi- fiscal and and EA fiscal like these guys don't seem to understand or finance they don't seem to understand whatsoever like how to identify like David said you know they're they're forecasting and what they're going to do because remember when Resident Evil sold and they're like yeah we only sold like five million we expected six or whatever and it like David said it's like you look at it and you're all really like who did who give me the fucking who so I can grab them <laughs> what's the I formula. Can- <laughs> yeah, what's what is this? Because I swear to God, everybody who's doing math there are English majors because their math is fucking terrible. Like it's the worst math I've ever seen, and it's sad because here's another thing that hurts it. We, as an industry, we do somewhat collect on negative news. That's okay. I think we can all agree that that's sort of how it goes. Mm-hmm. When that kind of news is announced, it does double damage because it's like we didn't do as well, and then people are like, "Why didn't you do as well?" And we start talking about all these different things, and then they add in microtransactions. But here's the big deal. I'm not 100% sure microtransactions are as bad as their score on Metacritic, which is 68. That is fucking terrible. Or it was at the, at the time. So mm-hmm. you have like three things hitting them all at once, and at least two of those they did themselves. And it's like, I, I mean, I get that they probably have to say it during their meeting, like Tarmac was saying, you know, like you do, you do, your job is to go out there and lie as eloquently as possible without lying. Like that is sort of your job. Yeah. But at the same time, saying shit like that, saying we did not meet, it, it immediately makes you just go. And remember, I didn't like Star Wars, so I'm not defending them. But it makes people just gravitate towards that. And then, and then you add in the microtransactions on top, and you're like, like David said, you're like, really, guys? You're the ones. It would be as bad as Activision doing it, you know, and just saying, yeah, we've added more. You know, look at GTA. They, those guys, Rockstar, got away with saying on an investor meeting, we have not monetized enough. Mm-hmm. And the reason why no one really attacks them too much is because GTA Five is so popular and such a good game. And so Star Wars was not. And I think that that's one of the problems EA is going to have is they've rolled up their own issues plus the issues that they have for that game. I don't see how that game is ever. I don't. I, and I think Maddie did a video to, yesterday on this. I just don't see how we're going to see a Star Wars Battlefront three. Yeah. Or and I want one by the way. I want a good one. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see one for like four or five years. There, there is a way out. I think for them. I don't think they're going to do it, but there is a way out. Uh, duplicate oh. the Overwatch loot box system. Uh, if all they do is they just they do a, a straight cosmetic run and they come out saying this is exactly the same as Overwatch, people will defend them for it. I that's, don't disagree with that at all. I think that's true. That's, I think like you know when you look at the entire problem, like why were why was this set of particular microtransactions right in this game like horrid? It's because uh, you know it affected gameplay. That's like yeah. the number one no no. Mm-hmm. Like, you had people on the internet who were, like, mobile game developers who have done nothing but free-to-play games, right? With microtransactions that were like, even we don't do that. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> like, if you're going to put microtransactions in your game, you've got to make sure that it's still fair across the board when it's a multiplayer online game. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like uh, I play a lot of PUBG. I like PUBG. The only microtransactions they have in there are when you want to buy crates. Tiny bit of a gamble, but it's only for cosmetic items. So, you know, I'm the one that's choosing uh, to give money for the chance at a cosmetic item, right? I'm the dodo for that. But because I get, like, a scarf or a trench coat or whatever, you know, shows up in my little crate, 
it's not going to affect like how, if I can shoot better than somebody, if I can yeah. 360 no scope some dude from a thousand meters, you know, <laughs> or anything like that, right? Like so, um, you know, that to me that's like the right way to do it, right? You know, um, and so yeah, if they're going to put the same kind of microtransactions that they did, or they they tried to do, excuse me, uh, in the fall, so it's another PR shit sort of just waiting to happen, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like that's why I think they're just waiting for it to boil over because they know whenever they release it, I think they're thinking, whatever we do, they're gonna hate it. So let's wait till people care less. I, I always sure. thought their way out of it was like, man, imagine if Battlefront Two went free to play and they just put a put a bunch of cosmetics mm-hmm. in there. I, I feel yeah. like a lot more people would gravitate towards that. But like Carrick was mentioning, I said in a video, I was like, Battlefront 2 just in every way, shape, and form looked like, you know, this was the big one. You know, it was like the campaign, had all the errors of Star Wars, yeah. of maps, modes, like, it, it really looked like it. And I still say to this day, despite my issues with the game, that I enjoy it way more than the first one. But uh, it's still got its problems, and like you said, Carrick, you know, it needs to be fixed. And so they have, they're, they're doubling their issues, they're double dipping here. Um, so it's like adding, I just, I love the logic though. That That's what I can't get over. The idea of this is our problem. So let's go back to our problem. You know, yeah. it, it just it doesn't cease yeah. to blow my mind that they, they are somehow returning to it. And that's where I think it, it's just, it comes down to business. They're like, you know, cause Battlefront two is the third highest budgeted video game title ever. So they're probably mm. thinking we got to make our money somehow and mm. you know, community be damned. Let's throw those microtransactions back in in a way that can work to some extent that people might buy. And so I feel like that's where, where they're heading with it. I think you had a good idea, which is free-to-play, because they're not in the top. As far as I remember, somebody posted an NPD. They're not even in the top, like, 20 anymore for sales. So it would be cool to go free-to-play since you're not making a ton of sales mm-hmm. and, and see if people... If, I, think, I think that's a good... I didn't even think of the free-to-play because... I. I don't like a game that cost money being free to play suddenly. I, I think that. that there's I agree completely. It, you need to almost look at re, like it depends on how long but there's there's some really shady shit that could happen if if that becomes okay. But yeah, I would agree. That's a good point, Maddie. I didn't even think about the free to play thing and yeah, that I mean, even is if probably like another way. 2 months from now though, I still think that'd be such a small window when the game just came out in November. It would it would a lot of people would be mad, I think over that. So it's like they're yeah. in a really funky position where they might just need to make this microtransaction system work. If it does continue to work and, and generate a lot of revenue, then maybe go free-to-play and, and add a little bit more to that that microtransaction system, and, and you might have a, a lot more of a profitable game with, with a long tail afterwards or a, a slow burn. I think that's the word you yeah. know, or phrase you used. You know, I think that could work out. But that is, uh, that's everything we really had to talk about. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the show. This was a, a wonderful time, i got to say. <laughs> And right. both of you are, are more than welcome to come back on, by the way, whenever you want. Just feel free to send me a message. You, you always know when a podcast goes well, when you had a plan, like an mm-hmm. outline, we're going to hit this, we're going to talk about this, we're gonna, and then none of it happens, and it just kind of yeah. flows on its own. It's it's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> exactly what happened. I like I briefed everyone before, and I'm like, all right, here's the news bits we got. We'll probably talk about this. And it just That's the same form. lie I use. Yeah, that's all, that's, <laughs> I don't know if I agree with Armac too much, because but that's Maddie and I for and, and Lone. It'll be like, yeah, we got better right, and then pretty soon it's like, what are we fucking talking about? Yeah. And but but I think that what happens is you're talking about something you enjoy, and I, I that's one problem with a lot of podcasts. I think is that it's like the news regurgitated, and that's great. But if there's 85 podcasts doing that, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it can be like 85 times of hearing the same thing from 
from different people. So it's cool to get people like yourself, who's a, a smaller YouTuber, and and like David on here, who can sort of talk about things that I don't think people hear. They still hear because I, I, I've seen David on interviews and stuff. They still hear, but um, a little less. I just think. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you know, in the grand scheme of things, honestly, like most people don't care. Actually, they don't. Yeah. Most most people don't even know the difference between a developer and a publisher, and that's fine. Like you know, well, people like us, obviously, we keep up with that, right? You know, uh, it's like it's like when you uh, know like all the movies that your favorite director has done or something right. like that, right? But most people are just like, oh yeah, I like that one movie from ten years ago. I don't remember <laughs> who did it, but yeah, and that's fine, that's fine, that's totally cool. But yeah, so most people don't want to hear the, the crap that people like me have uh, to say. But uh, glad to say if someone ever asks. So give me a shout anytime. It's great to be here. Thank you so awesome. much. Of course. And uh, <laughs> any any final plugs? Any anything else you guys want to add in before I wrap it up? Nope. By Dandara, February 6th. <laughs> All right, there we go. Everyone listening I'll plug, better be... Uh... I'll plug Tarmac real oh, quick. Okay. Um, and I believe this. Uh, so fuck off if you don't believe me. I He <laughs> has some of the best... There's a reason why Total Biscuit retweets his shit. And I think that as a smaller YouTuber, it's easy for him to get lost. And I would really like people to check him out. Because even myself, where I have a certain thought process, or Maddie does, and we're like, we're pretty solid in it. We're like, yeah, we're not going to change. This is our opinion, blah, blah, blah. I would say of all YouTubers, almost all YouTubers, um, Tarmac's the one that's changed my mind on a couple things. Like, made me go, fuck. Like, mm -hmm, I get Jesus. it now. Like, um, yeah, so, uh, Hetty, you got it. Now you got to do that every time, Tarmac. You got it. No, I'm just so. <laughs> but uh, there's a reason why, there's a reason why his stuff is that good. There's a reason why, you know, big people in the industry have talked about his stuff. So I would really suggest you check it out. It is Absolutely. really, really good. I agree. It's a ton and, of fun. And once again, all that stuff will be linked in the description down below, and we hope you check it out. Um, and that'll conclude episode 142 of the Ham Radio Podcast. This has been an absolute pleasure, and we'll catch you guys next week with another special guest.